Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I don't like blood and guts But I love them when they're lengthily discussed the with Gorley and Russ podcast and these are the facts we do a cozy easy listen podcast that goes on at length about horror movies thrillers and occasionally I don't know Return of the Jedi I'm Matt Gorley oh and I'm Paul Russ and occasionally we even talk about maybe a a paranormal car of some kind oh as in today yeah, we're talking about Christine today on oh, our cozy horror cast. Uh, I'm worried you say that because, again, I watched the A&E biography on Christine Baranski. I thought that's <laughs> what we were covering today. <gasps> well, I have to imagine that is just supplemental material that will run in parallel with what, <laughs> what we're talking about. It'll be like the... Um, uh, all the Kennedy and uh, Lincoln coincidences. You'd be like, oh yeah, my God, so much uh, of the making of the Christine movie lines up with the Christy Baranski uh, uh, <laughs> biopic. Um, how you doing, Matt? Oh, I'm fine. Yeah. But let's not bury the lead. No. Happy birthday, my buddy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I was just saying off mic to Matt. It, he, it came up what our day was going to be. And, uh, and I was like, hey, I'm not, you don't have to make a big deal out of this. I'm just telling you, because if it came out later that it was my birthday today, you would think I was a psycho if I just like. I appreciate that. I really do. And I it's complicated like birthdays. Territory. Okay. okay. I, I mean, not even my own necessarily. Like I really like celebrating other people's birthdays. Me so I'm glad too. you said that. Yeah. I love celebrating other people's birthdays too. Um, uh, but yeah. Uh, so um, also let's celebrate. Hey. Ed O'Neill and Shannon Doherty's birthdays too, okay? Oh, really? I'm a <laughs> Drew Carey, Joan Collins, Scatman Crothers, and Jewel. I think three of those four have appeared in movies we've discussed. <laughs> <laughs> Run with the Devil for Jewel. Uh, <laughs> maybe Scatman Crothers and maybe... Uh, <laughs> um, but... Uh, 
Yeah, well, Scatman Crothers was in uh, The Shining. That's right. And The Shining, uh, not to keep, um, well, I guess it's not dovetailing. It's like doing a U-turn uh, back to back to Christine. But did you think The Shining? You mean getting us back on track? Not even <laughs> U-turning, but keeping us on track? Well, I feel like maybe we haven't done uh, a full full business and stuff. But I was just going to say... Yeah. Uh, 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 I got just mentioning The Shining. Uh, Christine does feel like it's this <laughs> all, all the best Stephen King stuff all together. So it's like you got mm. with Carrie, the nerd with uh, powers, getting vengeance on the bullies. Mm-hmm. You got. Ooh, our favorite maximum overdrive, sentient cars. So much so that even the when Christine comes alive, her radio glows green like the meteor from maximum overdrive. Yeah. Oh, Stephen King is like, look out for the color green when it's around your car. Wow. Run away. And then... He must hate St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> oh, it, what if it's all about how he hates getting stuck in his car for St. Patty's Day parade traffic. So he's put those two together. <laughs> That's I'm in my car thing. getting angry and I see green. <laughs> uh, and then uh, last part, the shining, the sort of like the slow descent of like somebody getting possessed by this thing that's giving them power. It's like Carrie meets shining meets maximum overdrive. How could this not be the best movie in the world? It might just have been because, Paul, before we even get into business, I'll tell you, I loved this movie. And Ah. I haven't seen it since the day. Since the day uh, I came out in theaters on video and on cable? Video, probably cable. Yeah, I wonder if I even saw the whole thing. I'm sure I did, but I would have been a kid. Yeah, I have not seen this. Oh, that's awesome. You loved it, man. I loved it. That's great. I just loved it. Yeah. Yeah, the best uh, way, if if somebody hasn't seen it, and now I'm sure a lot of people have uh, who hadn't seen it, who are listening, uh, but most people have maybe seen it, but it was just, uh, hey, this is the movie John Carpenter did like just a year after The Thing. So even if uh, the movie isn't fully to your liking, that's a guy at the peak oh. of his powers and it shows in this movie uh so it, i love the vibe i mean it's just like cozy oh, riff and suburban carpenter i cozy it's got it's not eye candy it's eye cozy <gasps> just the lens flares on the headlights Matt, eye cozy <laughs> that is a great <laughs> new term it is so eye cozy the house is eye cozy that he lives in how it's that kind of like guess where it is it's, I know. It's like a stone's throw away from your front door, isn't it? Well, and the Myers house in South Pasadena. I got. I said immediately when I saw that, I got to get by there next time I'm out driving around. That's, yeah. pro- that's probably like five minutes from my house. You could go a little on Carpenter Lane. You just go on a little trip. I mean, it is funny that this movie, even though it came out in 83, they make the choice to set it in 78. And I know this is in California. Yeah. And, Haddonfields in Illinois, but we know they're both shot in Pasadena. So the fact that this is... I, I thought it, the same thing. It starts September 78, and I'm like, hey, maybe in like six weeks, 
down the same street, they're going to pass old Lori and her friends. 100% because it goes into October. And yes. he should pass that that oh, hardware running. store. Hardware yeah. store. Hardware store. Well, we're just so excited at this idea that they're running uh, together at the same time. Like a yeah. little Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. When does, okay. does this movie go, it does go beyond Halloween, right? Because they get into Christmas and New Year's. They get into, yeah, it wraps up on New Year's Eve, which is such a interesting choice because it's like, uh, I love the, oh my God, we're jumping all over the place in our enthusiasm. But Who just cares? With, with high school movies, I feel like they either go two ways and I love both ways. It's either first day of school to the last day of school. Uh. Grease, Fast Times, uh-huh. and what's great about those is you just get to like pop in every three months, and it's just like it feels so fast and fun, and things are moving along so quickly. Or, hey, American Graffiti, Days of Confused, Super Bad, like last day of school. Yeah, pivotal stuff can happen because pivotal stuff happens on a last day of school, so everything is just <laughs> like equally accelerated. Uh, but this was like, yeah, it's like first day of school to in the middle of Christmas break. (laughs) (laughs) I just can't get over this again. You're right. I know Halloween is Haddonfield, but let's just say they're set in the same universe because it's visually so linked that Michael Myers could have easily, instead of stealing a station wagon, I mean, he would have got to Haddonfield, but then he could have just stolen Christine. And then what would have happened? Would the evil have canceled each other out? Would they have been at odds? Would they have been perfect soulmates? What would have happened to Michael Myers in Christine? Oh my God. Well, yeah, if on the streets of South Pasadena, Michael Uh and Christine, I guess it'd be like any versus... Where at first they try to, are they trying to get along? They think, hey, if we team up, we could take South Pasadena by storm. <laughs> and and then something comes along where then they're like, no, this town's too big for the both of us. Christine and Michael have to like uh, do chicken yeah. down the street. So it's yeah. Michael all by himself <laughs> running alone. <laughs> Less than a mile per hour. While Trying to stab Christine with a kitchen knife. Yeah. Uh, while Christine, yeah, barrels towards him. No, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, do you and think like, does would, Arnie... it'd be vinegar and oil? or? Uh... Uh, that's a really good question. I think they would work together, but they might... <laughs> like, Christine may be sidetracking Michael to get to her own, you know, issues... Where Michael's like, hey, I gotta kill some babysitters. Like they kind of have, they'd have to split up eventually because they're like, um, they're like a working couple that can't can't stay together because they're they're career minded first. You know what I mean? Yeah. But do you think Arnie goes to school with Lori and Annie and Linda? Yes. Is there anyone named Ben in this movie? Well, no. I noticed that Billy, when Christine runs over him, he's engulfed in Ben Tramer like flames. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> full body, full body corpse. And it, why aren't they talking about these things in each other's movies? Like, did you hear about that killer? Or like when Harry Dean Stanton's like this. Cars killing people, and Lee thinks that it's kind of like that guy that's going around killing those babysitters. Or in Halloween, like 
yeah. I don't have time to deal with a killer car. I got a killer freak on my case. And I got this crazy doctor always swinging by asking questions that I can't answer. I got to focus on this killer car. Oh, and forget Christine and Michael Myers teaming up. What about Loomis and, and Harry Dean Stanton? Oh, well, that'd be... Uh, I mean, I imagine Donald Pleasance and Harry Dean Stanton have already been in like 25 movies I together, know, right? I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, the... Uh, uh, yeah, and then so Dennis is also like one of the jocks in the school with Lori. Um, I didn't see a lot of Letterman's jackets, though, at a, uh, at Lori's school. No. So, so maybe she's just entirely different classes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I hear you. And like a, a, a Dennis first pulls up in his car uh, to pick up the mom. Christine's not even in the picture. She looks down the driveway. There's just this like sinister silhouette of somebody in a car. It just looks like Michael Myers when he's bopping around in that car he steals. Oh, it's so great. And then when that first scene between Arnie and Dennis, when they're driving to school on the first day, they're talking, you know, like a dirty scrabble talk. But that's similar to like in look and feel to when Annie and Uh uh, Lori are driving to their babysitting jobs. Absolutely. Could be the very same day. The, yeah, really. oh my God, I if think they just drove by each other and waved and were like, I love you in Wall Street. Uh, <laughs> did you ever see Hot Shots Part 2? No. Uh, Charlie, uh, yeah, I did. But Charlie I Sheen and Martin Sheen, their narrations, <laughs> their <laughs> Vietnam narrations cross over each other. And then as they pass by each other in different boats, they say, I loved you in Wall Street. Oh, God. That's hey, funny. Hot Shots Part 2, uh, I think it'd make a great double feature with that and Christine. I agree. For that reason. And then uh, finally, do you think that Mr. Strode sold Arnie's parents their house? Yes. And he was the one who was like, if your son parks that muscle car outside your house, it's going to bring down property values. Yeah, so he has yeah. to keep it in a, a big garage. Yeah. That classic car from your generation, mom and dad. How... Yeah, once he restored it, they should have kind of eased up. I think so. And been like, actually, you know what? That's pretty cool. And you're right. That's exactly the car me and your dad would have loved to cruised in. Yeah, that's where you were made, buddy boy. Maybe that's why they didn't like it. Oh, They know right. that they, he was conceived in the back seat. And he was an accident. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, well, let's handle some business. Okay. And then we'll get into the meat of the matter of Christine. Sure. First of all, headline news. Uh, Townland is opening for Don't Stop or We'll Die at the Federal Bar May 3rd. You got to come see this. Special guests. Uh, it's it's life getting back to it. Yeah, come yeah, check yeah. Check this out. Tuesday, May 3rd. Uh, come check it out. We're going to be playing uh, uh, each of us. Full sets and uh, man, I feel like it's going to be a, a a a night of music, but I feel like in the audience it's more going to be a night of friendship and connection. I agree. It's going to go I, beyond the music, is what I'm saying, Matt. I think it's, it's just going to be about people having fun. Yep, I agree. Uh, having a community. Come on down. You can get tickets on Eventbrite. And then 
Let's read some baby xenomorphs. If sure. You can, you can subscribe to our Patreon and you can really enjoy the the wealth of with Gorley and Rust treats because we got full feature length commentaries, mailbag episodes, the now gone in Myers We Trust, the mythological, the legendary In Myers We Trust series hey. will be heading to Patreon and you can get it there in uh soon. We will have a date on that coming soon. How cool that we get to talk about that right now in the Carpenter episode. I know. The Carpenter episode. It all roads lead back to Halloween. In Myers We Trust is going to be back uh, uh, in the fold. That's right. If you go to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust, you can get it all there. So the levels you can subscribe at vary, but the, the high class, the elite, the top notch is the baby xenomorph level. And part of the deal is you get your name read. And so have a, just a handful of those today. For instance, Stephen Harrison, Daniel Lawrence, Rusty. Hey. Okay, just Rusty. I guess. Hey. Oh, Rusty Monday. Oh, that's just another Rusty Monday. He had to have heard that. I'm, I apologize, Rusty. And then uh, Miles DeFonseca wants to thank his daughter Zoe Amaya instead of himself, even though I technically threw his in there too. <laughs> Next up is Miles Eric DeFonseca. Wait a minute. I did it twice. He, he hit me out twice. <laughs> hit me out. Uh, and finally... Right. Rusty Monday. Oh, both these people hit me on the Patreon and the email. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, cool. you guys got double your, yeah. your goods. Double hey. your money. That's, right. That's business all spoken for. It's Thanks time for, for doing pleasure. that, Maddie. You're welcome. As always, of course. As always. Thank you. Yeah. So what was your first exposure to Christine, Paul? Ooh. Um, well, here at the top of my notes, it's... Uh, it was a perennial cable, TBS, TNT, Encore, some Columbia Pictures <laughs> syndication uh, movie package that uh, Christine was a part of. So I started watching probably by fourth or fifth grade. Mm. And then it was on cable, like all the time. So anytime yeah. it was on, I mean, lots of movies are on cable all the time and I don't like them. So I just don't watch them. But Christine was one of them that I loved. That's probably and, where I saw it too, I think. Yeah. Like on a, um, what was your pre HBO, HBO that you select TV, select TV. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I follow a cool uh, Twitter account where they just show old HBO guide pages. Oh, God, that's great. And uh, you can see how excited they are to share that they finally get to show, like, Friday 13th Part 3. <laughs> not 3D on their TVs at home. Um, but, uh, yeah, so then uh, it just became something that I guess I rewatched. I think I said this in the last episode, but I probably have watched it once a year ever since then. So I've no seen this kidding. movie wow. so okay, many yeah, times. You, man. I'm trying to figure out why that is. I think it's maybe just because it's easy uh, to follow and where it really fall is. in. And you it's know such a simple story. Yeah. There's no other like subplots or something. No. And, uh, uh, yeah. I So it's pretty easy to drop in and know where you're at. And for Christine, yeah, no matter what, um, for sure. What? So yeah, you said it was. 
did you, when you were watching it, did you have any memories of going like, oh, I remember this faintly or? No, not really. I always remember the car and I remembered Keith Gordon, but I never remembered anybody else in this. Oh, Matt, I envy you. You got like a really pure experience here I watching did. Christine. Yeah, I really did. And like I said, I I really enjoyed it. it was and a- as a massive Carpenter fan. Yeah, that's right. And um, it was a cozy afternoon. It was kind of overcast and windy here yesterday afternoon. So Mm -hmm. I finished all my work and I got on the couch and it's making me cozy just thinking about it. That's nice. Yeah. What are um, some of the cozy eye cozies for you of this movie? I think the... uh the house that has that like wood paneling that looks like it's from War Games or the Pacific Northwest. Or oh, something. this yeah, the Shakeside Shingles, the Nantucket style. That's yeah. okay. I wouldn't want to live in one, but when I see one in a movie, it makes me feel that's some eye cozy. Yeah, it is. I uh, um, I like seeing a drive-in at night in the rain. That's yeah, eye cozy. Yeah. Um. I can't explain what's so cozy about this. Yeah, the fashion, especially Arnie's transformation from full Revenge of the Nerds nerd to to commando casual. Like what? What would you say his style is at the end with the so that final final? Oh, okay, okay. Because that final look. Or, or penultimate look when he's in the driveway with Harry Dean Stanton. It's after the red jacket. Yeah. the Yeah. And it's the black leather vest on black <laughs> button down collared yeah. shirt. And yeah. because, again, this movie set 1978 for some reason. I mean, I guess that's what the book set in. Oh, right. I have a hunch for why I think they did. But, but the it is funny. You can tell his fashion isn't exactly... 82 or 83, he has these kind of like bell bottoms. Yeah. And so does the um, guy who runs the mechanic, the auto garage. Oh, Robert Prosky. Yeah. He kind of has like pants that, and I guess that guy wouldn't be on top of fashion, but everybody sort of had like a more of a late seventies look. Yeah. It's fascinating. And, it's interesting they're doing 83, but it feels 78. But when they do 57, it feels 78 as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I just give my smallest hunch why I think they did it? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, I think we, I know maybe Back to the Future read, I could be totally talking out of my ass here, but I know. Back to the Future maybe rejuvenated 50s nostalgia in like 1985. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in a post-Grease, post-Happy Days 1982 world. Oh, you're right. To be making a movie set in high school where you have this sort of like love for 50s greaser rock and roll era, you would maybe seem out of fashion. So they have to put it in that time to be like, no, you could understand why there's still kind of a greaser world and it's not out of touch. But more so, or that plus, I think it allows some kind of like, this is what I really talk out of my ass, like it allows it to have some commentary of what that time period was five years ago where there was that like happy days, 
Grease obsession with like, let's get back to the 50s. Like now looking at it from early 80s eyes being like, well, what was the fuck that about? Yeah. And I'm using very contemporary terminology here, but I feel like the movie maybe takes the position. This is where somebody's going to roll their eyes. Like, does it have to go back to this? But just make it broader. But it's like, it'd be somebody kind of being like, what is make America great again? What, what are you trying to get back to with this like fifties Greek? Cause they, it does seem to kind of be like, it's all mixed in with like, can you get a girl? Can you fuck? Can you like, I do feel like John Carpenter to extent doesn't buy into that. And so it is some sort of kind of like, I mean, the dude loves rock and roll and fast cars, but I feel like he's kind of being like, yeah, but it's not for phonies, man. It's for us. There's, I don't know. Like, uh, I know. There's always something with Carpenter that's a little hard to pinpoint where he, what he feels and what he's saying. Yeah. Uh, this movie, like all of his movies, there's a there's an elusiveness to it or something. You're right. You're right. Politically, that, it's hard to pin down. Yeah. And also, yeah, just that stuff in the top of that kind of like over-aggressive kind of male predatory I don't know what like just pursuit of getting laid which yes we all know in high school that is some kind of strange factor but it's so overplayed here I can't tell is that from the book is it from the screenwriter is it John Carpenter is John Carpenter doing it begrudgingly like you're saying because something about it rings hollow it's weird well to bring up like back to the future again I know when they were trying to make that in this era, it was like 81 to 83 or something like that. They couldn't get it made because every studio was like, it's not raunchy enough. And they go, because Porky's and mm. Fast Times were like huge and they had like actual nudity in them. Uh, and so when I was watching this and I'm just seeing like these completely horned up kids, I was like, this feels post Porky's or something. It just is like, it's a little too. You're right. In high school, people are horny, but uh, I mean, I guess that's like what Superbad is about, too. It's about like try, f- trying to figure out how to get laid. So maybe it's his age, as, uh, the story is old as time, but... Wait, did you say Superman? Oh, Superbad. Yeah. <laughs> he said Superman. I'm like, wait, did I miss in that opening segment when he's in high school? Was he trying to get... <laughs> what if, yeah, way? that's what it just comes down to for Superman. Yeah. Just trying to get laid. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it's, well, didn't, uh, wasn't there something like, um, did you read this, that the screenwriter was sort of like, he knew that the movie was going to be a little more bloodless and less gory, and they were worried that the rating was going to, because there's no PG-13, it could just be a PG, unless it had like hard language, and then, yeah, there's parts of the movie where it feels a little like, kid learned a new bad word and is now excited and free to share it. And maybe that's like what the character is going through, but Oh boy. It's a little like, yeah. When you're nine in the backyard with your friends and somebody's like finally comfortable with saying the F word, you're like, Whoa, what's this radioactive chemical you just spilled? (laughs) Uh, I already have to do a pee break. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's do a pee break and we'll come on back. Okay, we'll be right back. With Crawley and Rust. 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. With and we're back, we're back, and we're ready to talk about Christine. Yeah, and I have a question, Paul. Yes, am I dumb? Did I miss it? Is there? Do they ever talk about why he calls it Christine? No, <laughs> you're right. That's interesting. Uh, does he inherit the name from the previous owner? I can't remember. I know that that like this gets into the bigger question of how the book had a little bit more yeah. of a reason for why Christine was possessed because of its former owner. But in, in the movie, they decided to not explain it almost like it reminded me of the birds and almost like they were taking that from the birds of like, it's not important why this thing is evil. It just is. Yeah. Or like, uh, Hey, Michael Myers too. That's right. Yeah. Uh, uh, like, Especially like the stuff when he's like uh, pursuing the bad guys and chasing after him. It does seem like it's just like Michael Myers like stalking, but with like a little motor running him. I, I know. Motorized Myers. <laughs> yeah, like the the windows get all tinted. I didn't think that Arnie was in there for those killings, but then he is at the end. So was he in there for all the bully killings? It's not clear. Yeah, that's a good question. Like, and it's one that I always ask when I watch it. Clearly, I don't ask the question, where did the name Christine come from? Came from? Well, Because despite watching important. it so many times, I <laughs> never really, uh, I'm just like, he calls it Christine because I think the other guy called it Christine. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the uh, uh, when he's killing the, the bullies, wondering if Arnie's in there. It's tough because there's times where Arnie seems to be finding out information, like when, uh, 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 well, like he's not in there when uh, Darnell goes and sits in it. The old right, guy. yeah, good point. And then when he finds out the next morning, Harry Dean Stanton tells him he goes like, "Why?" It's like he's asking Christine, like, "Why did you kill him?" Like, uh. So when it, by the end, he's sitting in the car, it is, it's a shock in like a story way, right? You just didn't necessarily know. But also I do, I do love the like, they just cut to him a close up of Keith Gordon out of nowhere. It, oh, it's like in Halloween too. Remember outside the hospital when it just cuts to Michael Myers out of nowhere, standing under the light outside the hospital. You're like, whoa. 
They yeah. didn't even let me know he was outside at all or anywhere nearby. So that was well. Cool. Also, the lighting and the look on his face makes you feel like he's finally completely evil. Like like yeah. Jack in the in the Shining, and maybe he and Christine have kind of become one at that point. But yeah, I think that's probably it. It's like it's been sentient, and then at some point when you're fully possessed by it, you're just like melded in with it. Yeah. Um, do you think Arnie came out of the possession when he like broke through the window and stuff? Was that like a final or is that mm. like, like when Indiana Jones gets burned by short round <laughs> and comes out of his trance? <laughs> yes. The, uh, the, the, uh, um, short round theorem. <laughs> <laughs> Although, uh, wait, this would have been first, so it'd be reverse. The Arnie, Arnie theorem. Uh, oh, man. Yes, yes. Well, do you think on the set of uh, The Temple of Doom, they were like, so should we go with the Arnie theorem here? Yeah, yeah Spielberg yeah, yeah. is like, Indy, you're about to get Arnied. <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, how much... Right, right. Oh, oh, what you were saying about the previous owner. It's like the previous owner was a killer and he put his soul into the car. But this one is more like the car was evil to begin with and the people who own it become evil because they get possessed by its power, not a man put his evil in the car and then somebody got it. Yeah, it's so interesting in the beginning on that factory line too, where like you see Christine slam her trunk down on that guy's hand ah. or hood, but you don't see how the other guy dies. And I was wondering, how did Christine kill him? Electric shock? Cardiac arrest? Asphyxiation? What, what was it? I mean, uh, as much as I love Christine... It is like a weird movie that in a lot of ways it doesn't is. fully like it works for me. Yeah, me but I too. think there's a reason it's, it wasn't a huge hit at the box office and isn't top of mind when people talk about John Carpenter because it is kind of like wonky. Uh, but I do like that. Uh, wonky is that the right word? Like, what am I wobbly? I know what you're saying. I thought that exact same thing. Like this is Off a center. Good, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This yeah. is a good movie with a really shaky premise. Yeah. I mean, the premise is simple. It's so easy to grasp, but it's also so stupid. I'm not knocking it. I love it too. And just that there's no reason for it. And the, the, there's like no, the Christine hunts down and kills these bullies, but also when they come to attack her, she doesn't even defend herself. She could have killed them <laughs> as well, but she just doesn't. Yeah. I think the fact that I was kind of marveling at when I was watching it again last night, I was like, the fact that this movie doesn't feel stupid when you're watching it. Yeah. Is like a it's pretty impressive. big thing to pull off. Yeah. It really is. But yeah, the, the, the fact that the first two murders, Christine kills happen. This is a part of it's like off centeredness. I think is like the first two kills are within the first five minutes. And then the next time somebody gets killed, it's at like the 57 minute mark. It's like, and those first two kills are pretty like figuring out what it is and what happened is kind of weird. Cause it's like, 
Okay, well, the second guy died because he flicked ashes onto Christine, and she didn't like that, so she kills him. How? You're kind of like, uh, what? Did she fill it up with, like, fumes, or why did he just, like, fall out? And then if you go with that logic, then, like, well, then why did the first guy get his hand smashed? Yeah, and why did Robert Prosky get killed? If anything, he was on Team Arnie. Yes, the fact that, like, it wasn't a mushinick. Uh, from Little Shop of Horrors Kill, where it's like, oh, this guy is going to blow our cover, so I have to kill him. Like, he's fully on board. He opens up a car that has no driver in it, that's smoking and, like, sizzling, and he sits down and he smiles. Like, I know. <laughs> Christine, this is your friend. He's not going to blow your cover. I think Christine is just like a cat. She can't help herself when she's hungry, you know? And so like even Arnie thinking they're kind of have a mutual love for each other. I wonder if that would have even lasted. She would have eaten him at some point too. That's funny. You say that like maybe Christine's more like a cat because I know that they try to say, because Christine's like got a girl and he's falling in love with her, that it's like a, a girlfriend, but it seems more like when somebody befriends like, a bad influence. Oh yeah. And like how that can like terrorize a family and their friends and a person. Cause, and that Christine's just like, it just doesn't seem, I mean, outside of how like Keith Gordon talks and like touches it and stuff, it's like sexual, (laughs) (laughs) but it's more just like, Oh, you're going to go hang out with, it should be called like Spencer or something. (laughs) Oh, you're going to go hang out with Spencer? Brad. Yeah. Yeah. When you mentioned that, because thanks again to Brantley, our researcher. Yes. Yes. Keith Gordon has said that when he touches the car, he's just kind of imagining it's a woman. And which is really funny. And he's also said, like, I'm not going to say what parts of the body or whatever. Uh, But the last touch he has of the car is with his fingers on the V hood ornament. And it's just so, like, sexual. And there's just no way. He had waited for the end to finally get to, I guess you'd call that third base, you know? <laughs> oh, right. If he never even got uh, laid. I guess it's unclear if he, him and uh, Lee ever had sex. So maybe he, he did die a virgin. Did. Yeah, I don't think they did. I think his virginity, in a way, was with Christine, Christine when yeah. he kind of kills or something. I mean, the themes are there. And as always, the magic of Carpenter is you can't tell if they're intentional or not, or he just got lucky. <laughs> yeah, I know. When uh, uh, Arnie pulls that glass out at the end, it's like he's like reverse getting penetrated. He's like pointing yeah. out. He's like, ooh, yeah. uh, Christine Now, him. when he touched that uh, thing on the car hood, you might have thought it was a labia, Matt. I thought it was a cheekbone. Did you? Oh, I didn't say that. I just said V. I was talking about Christine's visor. (laughs) Uh, No, I've thought before. No, I thought he was touching a a V from... That it looks vaginal. I thought he was touching a V from the old show V that Christine was (laughs) He's a big fan. He was going to peel off her grill and it would be a lizard grill. It's too bad that this movie wasn't made later so they could have had a, like a Calvin decal on Christine. Uh, but it would be it would be Calvin pissing on um the maximum overdrive truck. 
<laughs> Ooh, angry both the Calvin estate and Marvel. Wow. One, one fell swoop. <laughs> um, well, you, hey, you mentioned, um, should we talk about uh, Keith Gordon just real yeah, quick? Yeah, let's do it. He's awesome in this, huh? Yeah, he really is. Uh, you've, you've seen Dress to Kill. Mm-hmm. And this feels a little bit like, it's interesting, Dress to Kill came out in 1980, and this is three years later, and he's still a high schooler. And then three years later, in back to school, he's playing a college freshman. Yeah. So they're stretching it out. Uh, But he's, uh, I think it's to the always, um, well, in Dress to Kill, he's playing the same age. And I think his performance in Dress to Kill is my favorite teenager, adolescent performance in in a movie. Yeah, I, and and I would put that first, and then this, and then back to school because yep. he doesn't have much. He's just playing the straight guy and back to school, but he gets to chew a little more on these two movies. Yeah, I mean, when Artie's doing his final like drunk driving oh, monologue, God. that is some um, scene chewery, and I don't oh, think like yeah. Keith Gordon would deny it. It's like he's getting to do like Jack Nicholson in The Shining or whatever. When he's facing sort of. off with his dad. Oh my God. Get your hands off me, fucker! So crazy. The uh, we should mention that he um that because they originally wanted Brooke Shields and Scott Baio for this movie, and because this movie was a negative pickup, meaning the studio would just buy this from the producers at a certain date for a certain time. The producers are like, let's save as much money as we can and sell it for them as much as we're going to get. So that's why there's no real stars in this movie. I guess probably Mm -hmm. at the time, Harry Dean Stanton's the biggest star you've got here. Yeah. So they're Um, doing that thing of like a genre movie having one known character actor. And then... And then Keith Gordon, I guess, would have some appeal of uh, right. Uh, he's been in thriller. He's been in a thriller, and people know. Uh, but yeah, originally the Keith Gordon role was supposed to be uh, a Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon, that's right. That's who, and he, he got it, and then turned it down to do Footloose. Right? Yeah, he was cast, and then had to do Footloose, and then actually like wrote a letter to John Carpenter explaining and apologizing. So. I didn't, I don't know if I fully knew that watching it uh, previously. So I watched it with those eyes and it was interesting to me. I was like, oh, if it had been Kevin Bacon, his challenge would have been making the nerdy stuff believable. With Keith Gordon, his challenge is making the cool guy stuff believable. You're right. And I, I really enjoyed Keith Gordon's transformation i never fully bought it but i enjoyed it i i think i could buy like seeing what kevin bacon does in jfk i th- i could maybe buy him pulling off a nerd character oh he could do it i'm just saying like that would be more yeah. of the challenge for him right. to be that rather than like uh and yeah i mean keith gordon the that transfer the character's transformation that is the thing. That I is know. why I watch Christine over and over. You guys, uh, y'all can psychoanalyze that as much as you want. <laughs> but I, I just, it, it's so, uh, that's, that's the reason I watch the movie is his performance and getting to see that like weird kind of Cinderella-y transformation. Um, 
I do think it's like, um, you know how sometimes a horror movie isn't like, uh, um, or, or a movie isn't, ooh, escapist because it's like, I get to go and have a good time from my troubles. Sometimes escapism could be like, oh, I get to see how that would be a bad path to go down. Oh, yeah, like uh, a cautionary tale, fun cautionary tale. Yes, it's like a very warped version of what I fear could... I'm... uh, I grew up just really wanting my parents to think I was a, a good boy. And so... When I see Keith Gordon mouth off, I'm like, don't do that, young man. (laughs) However, this could be me. Right. And then when he starts indulging in it and it overtakes him, it validates how I see what that is. I'm like, yeah, you shouldn't do that because it does over. It is the dark side. And soon, like, it's more of a fun cautionary tale than like I enjoy seeing him be. I mean, it's partly enjoyed see, being somebody become a bad boy, but uh, it's also yeah, it's, just it's like the, is it a genre? Is break the Breaking Bad character arc a genre? So the Shining, this the Breaking Bad. Um, what are some other ones where your main character falling down? Yeah, and you're better. You're so much more well versed in theater and stuff, but like, what's like Medea, a uh, Medea, like, uh, 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 Oh, the hubris, the tragic flaw that, that brings down the main character. Yeah. That's really here. Cause he's just gets so big for his britches. That's yeah. the Greek term, the ancient Greek theater term, big, too big for your britches. <laughs> and it's, it's based on a real play where somebody would, um, the story was that they got bigger in their britches. <laughs> That's why we use that term. And they stopped doing the play because it would kill the actor because he would walk around in britches that were so small for him <laughs> that the circulation would get cut off. Uh, yeah, or the, maybe that's not exactly. It's like the mental unwinding of somebody. Like that's mm. the story you're watching as somebody's like slow progression into madness, fall from grace, and yeah, yeah, the, yeah, progression into mad, descent into madness, yeah. Because I love Arnie's nerd side at the beginning. Maybe the most wholesome interaction in the movie is when they're driving to school and Dennis goes, you know, Arnie, I was thinking. And Arnie goes, uh-oh. And then laughs about it. And that's just like, this means pepper. It's so good. It's just such a sweet little nerdy thing. Um, and then, yeah, I do think because Keith, the last word for me about Keith Gordon is just like, I think because he's was like a real deal method oh. New York theater actor. He just takes this shit like really seriously. And so uh, even if it maybe gets a little scene chewery, I do feel like I see like a an actor's real commitment. I mean, I think he's like a great actor. So. I do too. I really like watching him. Yeah. Um, but Kevin Bacon would have been interesting too. That's right. Yep. Hey, can we take... We, I, by the way, I lied. Neither of us had to take a pee break last time. We had to fix a tech issue, but I thought I would have to take a pee break. So I'd combine them all into one, but now I don't have to take a pee break. And 
my baby's crying and the babysitter's out there. So I'm just going to go comfort her for a second. Sure. And then we'll, we'll come do, back. We'll do all things uh, break and then we'll okay. come back. We'll okay. be right back. With With and well, we're back and uh, thank you, Paul. It's been like, would you say that was 10 minutes? <laughs> oh, no. Well, you know, I, I, we had our own uh, situation here so that I, we, I, I took care of. So it was good. Oh, you did? Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But they make these things now for babies that are amazing. They look like a huge diamond ring, but it's like something a baby can hold on to with their full fist or ring. And on the top, what looks like the diamond is this clear rubbery silicone with holes in it. And you shove banana or avocado in there. And then she just like clamps down on it oh, and just extrudes banana or avocado. <laughs> and that, that helped. That sounds fun. Um, we should have like uh, with Gorley and Russ merchandise. That's those things. But for grownups. <laughs> Hey, and I did pee. Hey, uh, so. yeah, I, I, um, I didn't pee. I had a little uh, break conversation with my uh, with my wife and daughter. Uh, oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was funny before we started recording the podcast. Um, uh, like most times at this house, we had Alvin and the Chipmunks going on the TV. It's 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 just constantly on a loop. It's like classic or the movies or the, uh, the or? on Paramount Plus. There's a Alvin. That's what it's called. Uh, okay, and okay. Uh, it's 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 just a nice vibe to have on around the house. And uh, Leslie and Mary were both talking about how Simon's uh, their favorite, and then Mary said. She doesn't like Alvin because sometimes he's mean to everybody all the time. And I was like, oh, this is Christine. <laughs> be she a goes, Simon. What? In a world I'll, of Alvins, be a Simon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, can we clap sync really quickly? Sure. Just, and uh, here we go. Three, two, one. You know, we'll leave that one in for the uh, for the listeners, just so you know how much we have to clap sync because we have uh, we're, we're always figuring something out. But uh, this is just the the journey we go through to get you people what you need. That's right. That's right. And uh, it's a it's a journey. Well, it's an incredible journey. It's like uh, the two of us. You're you're uh, the golden retriever. I'm the little kitty cat. Oh, oh, Mark Anthony, uh, that cartoon? <laughs> no, oh, the the oh. old Incredible Journey, Homeward oh, that, Bound. Oh, yeah, that one. What am I thinking of? Oh, yeah, Feed the Kitty, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, sad. Now, M Matt, when this movie begins, I know this was a negative pickup, so Columbia wasn't necessarily bankrolling the whole thing, but wasn't it nice to see that Coca-Cola bottle-shaped Columbia Pictures logo? Oh, you bet. You bet. And then straight into what are solid opening titles. Holy. Does does uh, uh, um, John Carpenter make extra money if his opening titles rule? I know. You know how he's kind of like doesn't really make movies anymore? I wish he'd just become like Saul Bass where he just does yeah. opening titles for people. Yes. And just dreams up. Right, right, right. Like, uh, uh. An opening sequence would be really cool. Uh, cause yeah, this one's so cool. It just, 
It starts with John Carpenter's, and then the the or the logo comes up with a rev of an engine. Then mm-hmm. John Carpenter's, then Christine, and then it's like a twist on Halloween, where it's like the titles the it's the same Carpenter font, like white on black. Mm-hmm. But instead of any music, it's just the sound of an engine running. It's really scary and thrilling, which I guess is the point. But yeah. uh, uh, it reminds me of a little that like white text quickly within a minute and a half, but with engine sounds running on. It seemed like a greaser version of like a Woody Allen movie. <laughs> It was. And then it goes right into George Thorogood and the Destroyer is Bad to the Bone, which I read in the research, I think, was that this was the first time I believe this was used in a movie because it's been used a million times since. Yeah, that and like Spirit in the Sky, whoever the two people, two movies would each use that for. So Christine for Bad to the Bone. I mean, I do love it in this movie. It is hard to compete, though, with its use of the opening of Problem Child. Uh, yeah, that's true. Well, because you've got the sincere and then you've got the ironic kind of use. But apparently the screenwriter was not didn't want to use the origin story for Christine and that this song was playing or was it and his wife heard it and said, well, there's your that's how you do it. It's just bad oh. to the bone. I guess some, no, but yeah, unconsciously, when you watch that bad of the bone, it it is kind of explaining why this is happening. It's just evil. Yeah. It's just an evil car. It's one red car in a line of pink. Yes. And I love how Christine gets like a movie star introduction, like a, if it was about a, a, a hustler in New York and you see like a crowd of people walking down New York and the camera's just following a group of who cares about them? They're a bunch of nobodies. And a then, bunch of who cares about them? Yeah. And then it stops on Christine and then it starts going backwards to be like, Oh, I'm sorry, Christine. Let me back up and get a full view of you. It is such a cool way to, uh, introduce. Yeah. And the music's awesome. I like how, yeah, it looks like an early eighties version of the fifties. Uh, it's also so funny that this is like, 57 to 78 that would be like a kid in 2022 be like i'm gonna get a 2001 pt cruiser Uh, i know it's so crazy (laughs) it's also crazy just to think how at this time you're saying like maybe this is happy days or something and yeah that seems so long ago when i was a kid the 50s that 21 year gap is so huge from 57 to like 78. But it's like when you're watching the Goldbergs now that's set in the 90s, kids are watching that like happy days. It's yeah. Crazy. It's a uh, Yeah, there there is just not enough of a of a jump from well, it depends on where it falls from 2001 to 22. Is it pre 9-11? Cause then I guess that's right. a pretty big job, but yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, then, um, that guy get it, it falls, the hood falls on his hand and falls, <laughs> drops, drops a pod, yeah, uh, closes. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, consciously closes. Christine uh-huh. goes, here I go. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it's it's very uh, bloodless. I mean, he's good at bandage, but 
uh, this was in the notes. John Carpenter got a lot of shit for the thing being too gross. And so, and I think also what we've talked about before, when somebody adapts Stephen King, if they feel like they have to kind of like, well, you know, it's going to be horrific and gross, so I'm going to class it up a bit. There's just like, it's not, this movie is not gory whatsoever. No. It's back no, to no. Halloween style, John Carpenter. Like most of the kills and stuff, scary stuff is off screen. The goriest thing in this movie is a yogurt bag being stabbed. Oh my, the grossest way you could <laughs> cut open a bag of lunch. It's so gross. Um, I love the team of bullies in this Maybe, maybe my favorite. And it's, it's starting to see, you really do start to see repeating things in Stephen King because in Creepshow 2, it's a similar pack of bullies and a similar thing happened. And an inanimate object going after those bullies to kind of revenge their... It's Carrie as well. And he had yeah. this uh, book, Rage, that's now unpublished. He He doesn't publish it anymore. Because it's basically like a real life uh, non paranormal version of Carrie, where it's like a kid gets picked on and does a school shooting. That's like why oh. he does. So it's like, I mean, if you could take a, a, a time machine back and meet those bullies of Stephen King, whoever they were, it seems like it was pretty terrible that you'd want to stop them. But then I guess we wouldn't have a. 30 different movies about it. And yeah, books. Apt Pupil 2 ends with the kid shooting people yeah. as, like, with a sniper rifle, I think. I forget. But but these bullies almost exactly parallel the creep show too. There's like the long-haired kind of hot-looking guy, yes. the goofball, and the heavyset one. Yes. And then the goofball in this, Rich... Right away, I was like, oh, God, that's the guy getting ESP tested in Ghostbusters. That guy, Columbia Pictures, put that guy through, put his kids through five different medical schools. Yeah, he's like a contract goofball. Yeah, in 83, he's in Columbia Pictures, Christine, and a year later, he's in Columbia Pictures, Ghostbusters. And that guy, he only exists in those two movies. I know, and With that funny. hairstyle. He's kind of like a poor man's. I don't Moranis. know. Yes. Yeah. I don't mean in a bad way because he's good too. He's just. No, like, but it's weird that he's in a movie with Moranis. Yeah. Uh, uh, and he also like swears in both movies. It's really weird. Like, because when he gives the middle figure to the car <laughs> with the headlights, it's it's like the same way he says, No, I'm extremely pissed off or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. I even love the main bully in this because he's just, you just don't, uh, the main bully is usually like truly a greaser. In this one, he's like Bon Jovi or Kip Winger. And he's got these sideburns and he's actually really good looking. And for once with the bully, I was kind of like, yeah, I get it. He's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. When, when, uh, uh, when Arnie like tattles on him, I'm like, kind of like, what are you doing, dude? Like, let this guy just do his thing. You don't have you to You should tell. try to be his friend. Stop hanging out with Christine. Hang out with this guy. He's got it going on. Haven't you seen his hair? I know. It's uh, incredible. You're right. I mean, I think people slag on it that it's kind of like sub-Travolta, but I think he's his own thing. I think he's ultra-Travolta. And then we also have Friday the 13th Part 2's Stu Charno. In That's the right. Yeah. So three of the four... Uh, we and then the fourth one, the the uh, heavier set guy, Moochie, Moochie, which I don't know Moochie from any 
thing. No, I don't either. Um, uh, oh, Moochie, where you go? <laughs> um, now, oh, oh, just with those, um, mentioning the movie going into it, uh, you know, I was saying it is kind of peak Carpenter era, but the one, this, there's some things that are different, which is no Dean Cundy as the no, cinematographer. But- whatever's going on here is almost just as good. An abundance of Cundy, non-Cundy flares. Yeah, I mean that. Flares. Yeah. And Maybe then, they're making up for not having Dean Cundy by all these flares. But also, how can you not when you're dealing with a movie that's oh, just like basically all headlights? Demands flares. Yeah. And, and then uh script not written by John Carpenter, which is right. another big kind of like ding against it. And then not produced by Deborah Hill. So he's really sort of out on it as much as it is kind of around the time that he was making his best stuff. Uh, there are some things that do feel a little different about it. And he is our notes say he confessed that it was a kind of a job for him. He felt like his uh, stock was down and he needed to prove himself. And a Stephen King adaptation was a surefire hit. Mm. Right. Oh, that's, yeah. 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 So uh, I don't know. Um, the, uh, but yeah, the when he gets picked up and goes to school, then that's when the bullies come. Uh, it, it's also like Creep Show. Well, you said Creep Show too, but it's like Creep Show. The like just aggressively evil parents. Oh, I know it's ridiculous. Car- the bullies aren't as mean as his parents are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, compared to Carrie, I do think the. Carrie gets bullied worse yeah. than Carrie. And I do think her mom is worse. For sure. But in Christine, the parents are worse than the bullet bullies in Christine. Yeah. Yeah. The, I wanted to watch more of the Arnie Dennis bully thing. It reminded me of My Bodyguard, which I watched recently, where it just huh. is like, this. maybe this movie doesn't even need Christine. Oh, well, I wouldn't ask that on their drive over. That's another sort of little mystery that they leave. Like, why is Christine evil? And like, why are these guys buddies? What do you think the history is of those two? Yeah, it it was a Carpenter thing that didn't fully make sense. Maybe in the book you get more. Other than Dennis seems to be a really good person. So he's just kind of like has a friend in Arnie and he doesn't care if he's a nerd. But in a movie, a kind of a genre movie like this, you do feel like you need a slight bit of an explanation. Also that blonde girl that likes Dennis that he doesn't have the time for that never goes anywhere. Does it? That's like an interesting little, yeah. I mean, off mic right before we started, we were saying like, uh, this, uh, movie feels like because it was, uh, it started being written in the manuscript, like galley's form of the book. It started shooting three days after the book was like published mm-hmm. and it came out the same. The movie came out the same year as the Stephen King book came out. So mm. it was just like, it feels a little not rushed, but just yeah. like there's some stuff that I feel like if there was more time, you'd go like, oh, you could cut that out. And yeah. one of the things is the Kelly Preston. Uh, is that Kelly Preston, right? The uh, the blonde. Is that who that was? 
Because I saw Kelly Preston was in this, but I, for some reason, because she was blonde, I didn't register that that was her, but it probably was. Uh, yeah, like you see her, she's like in the hallway and then in the library. And it is, yeah, you're supposed to be like, oh, Dennis has got his eye on this girl as opposed to this girl is into him. But then it's not like later <laughs> that anything really comes of that. Um, the uh, other two times that I think like, Oh, this movie, if it doesn't have to be two hours and if you took out like 15 minutes, it might be better. Who am I to say? But I feel like the Darnell introduction goes on really kind of long, like the rules of how the garage works and when you can bring it in. It's sort of like, okay, this is a little too long here. And then, and then back at the garage. Oh yeah. Asked for more lines to kind of flesh it out. I love that. You could just go into a movie and go, I'd like to make my part bigger, please. (laughs) Uh, And then the end climax feels like it just goes on. Like anytime I watch Christine, I'm just like those last 15 minutes feel a little sluggish. It's because it's paced. So, so if that had snappier editing at the end, I think it really would have helped it. Well, it's awesome because this movie does fit in the Halloween and, um, uh, uh, um, thing, the thing mode of the like slow burn. It's like Mm -hmm. awesome. I love how like gradual it is. And like, it isn't until after an hour that you realize, Arnie does that cool, like, show me thing, and you start yeah. understanding everything. It comes together. But it would be cool if it had the same end point as the thing in Halloween, which is the slow burn that then the last 12 minutes is such a crazy, the fuse is now going so quickly, it's like breathless. You're like, oh my God, yeah. it went from slow burn to fast, and I didn't even really fully know when it happened. With this, I'm just like, once Arnie, honestly, it's like once after the, his like monologue in the car with Dennis, where he's like scary and you think he's maybe going to kill them both. Once they start devising a way to kill Arnie with the bulldozer, kill Christine with the bulldozer, that's just like, and then certainly once Arnie's dead, then I'm just really not yeah. like, inve- like, I'm like, okay, I hope you guys, re- I mean, we're jumping to the end here, but it's just like, it makes up for it with that last like two minutes of like seeing the bulldozer just completely drive over. Christine is awesome. You're not kidding. That's at least two minutes of bulldozer driving. <laughs> yeah. And also the, when you get the Christine's cube, cut to the cube, like the oh, metal yeah. cube falling down. Yeah. It's awesome too. But what were you going to say? Sorry. Well, when you get the mangled front of Christine, that looks like a face, like the hood has teeth and the eyes and yeah. it, it really kind of gives it life. It's pretty great. I love that. And uh, this isn't like a flub. It's not like a continuity here, but I noticed after Arnie goes through the windshield, the front of the car restored itself. It was back to normal. Mm. It like quit being like as monstrous. Hmm. Um, Cause then when they start attacking it, it like, it seems worse because it like had restored itself. It's like, oh, they're killing pristine Christine. I love the effect. They call it a poor man's reverse where they attached hydraulics to the inside of the car. Often it was plastic instead of metal. And they shoot it with the car just being pneumatically pulled inward and then reverse it. But it's so effective in the way it's shot. It was just gorgeous. Like money oh, yeah. shots of oh, a car repairing itself. And oh, it's the, the uh, 
I mean, I've said it before. I love in a movie the Emerald City sequence in Wizard of Oz where you get to see something that like was burnt or broken or hurt get restored. It oh, yeah. is the best. Yeah. And with yeah. Christine, it's so cool too because, yeah, the, it's like – that's one of my favorite sequences of the movie is like when he says, show me. And it starts because it plays like a sexy sex. I know. It's like sultry. <laughs> like she's but doing like a reverse strip tease. Is that ironic, that music or no? I think John Carpenter thinks this is like cool and sexy. I do too. And that's ah, hilarious. Yeah. Well, I mean, this whole thing when Arnie, like the reality of it. If Arnie in real life, this nerd, showed up at a football game, pulled up in a car like that, dressed like that, people would just laugh their asses off. I know. They would be like, who does this guy think he is? He could have the most confidence in the world and people would still like. So it is funny that like all of this is supposed to be like believably... uh, like yeah. sexy or cool or I mean I buy it. it it is just a funny thing like in reality people would just be like dork go home you you came to school in a letterman's jacket I mean he doesn't do that but it's the equivalent. Uh, no I know I know I remember you know there's the in the movies the like transformational makeover is always this amazing scene but there were kids in high school that I think were probably more on the nerd side of things that would then come back the next year and they weren't like cool greasers, but they'd come back with style, like a Hawaiian shirt, you know, and the kind of like slightly wacky, cool style hair, slicked back sunglasses. Yeah. And you could tell that they were, I, I'm watching this from afar, both as a responder and a viewer, but they, they were asking to now be viewed as cool. Yeah. That was the message being sent. It wasn't <laughs> that they liked this sort of thing. It was like, ah. look, the, the message here is I'm not going to take your shit anymore. I'm beyond that because I'm cool and I don't care. But they're always looking out the side of their sunglasses oh, like, are you buying this? Are you buying this? Are you, yeah. my The gel in my hair isn't too boogery and crusty, is it? <laughs> uh, yeah. I Like, it's funny what you're saying is like hit on when I was watching. I was kind of like, what is like now scary to me about Christine? And was Christine ever scary to me? Do I just kind of like it aesthetically and stuff? But I do think like... That thing of like in high school, it is kind of easy for somebody to fall in and adopt an identity. Yeah. That in a kind of tender, sensitive moment could actually sort of not irrevocably fuck things up for your life, but do some kind of impact. That's just like, that is scary. Like the equivalent, I guess, is like. Right. If you were in high school and you saw your friend like get into like hard drugs and you're like uh this is i don't know how to i don't have the parents school or my friends we have no way to like really get a handle on this like i guess that's but that's not really i don't know i mean it's it's what's scary to to see arnie become that i guess is like it's partly like what you're saying like if somebody in high school, you do see that kind of like weird mood swing of like, I'm this, but now I'm that. And it's weird. And now I am keep hearing that kids in high school are often go by different names and identities in high school than they do from home. They rename themselves. And 
that's yeah. kind of an interesting like core version of this. Well, you know, I was super into uh, when I was a teenager into Nirvana. When I found out Kurt Cobain sometimes spelled his name Kurt K U R D T, I wanted to start spelling my name either P A L L. Uh-huh. Or P-A-W-L. Oh. Let's let's adopt new identities for the podcast. Okay. Here. So what's your new name and what's your persona? Okay. Uh I'm gonna go uh kind of like as a uh all sort of in the Billy mold from this movie. I'm gonna go like in a lot of like denim. Oh yeah. Maybe even just a denim onesie. I think Pant, like a denim pantsuit. I think our alter egos are going to be friends. So what's your, your name? What's your name oh, going to be? Oh, uh, uh, denim. <laughs> <laughs> and you're in a denim onesie yeah, that could really- be, could be used in your mechanics auto shop class, but you <laughs> wear it every day. Yeah. 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 Oh, two, I love two it. Functions, two functions. Okay. What about I, you? I'm big Troy. And I also wear a <laughs> denim coverall, but I unzip the top part and let the top part hang down and oh. I tie it, tie the sleeves around my waist and I'm just wearing like a white tank top on the top part. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, that is one of the stages of, uh, of, of Arnie, right? Is, uh, uh, he goes from, uh, Tate's glasses and then for a moment when he's going through the lot, trying to, the junkyard, pulling stuff out, he's briefly in just like a white shirt and blue jeans. Yeah. And then the next one is that blue collared shirt with the like black turtleneck underneath. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. I think is a really funny like mid bad boy look. Yeah, real mid. And then the red jacket, like the rebel without a cause red jacket. And then the black vest, black yeah. shirt. Well, you better look out, Arnie, because Denim and Big Troy are coming to stab your yogurt. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about the yogurt stabbing? Yes, we sure can. So the yogurt stabbing. That is so gross. It's the grossest thing in the movie. Yeah. And did the bully, like, take a peek inside there to know... The best place to put it, or was like as it was happening, was the bully himself like Jesus Christ? I really hit this in the right spot here. Like I lucked out. <laughs> also, what kind of yogurt comes in a clearly uh, spillable bag? Because even if you stabbed a little plastic yogurt container, it wouldn't just ooze out like that. He really, yeah, it was like a yogurt <laughs> bladder in there. Like the prop had put together a water balloon full of thinned down. A yogurt colostomy bag. Yogurt. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. And, you know, Artie's mom is mean, but she's not so mean as to just put yogurt in a Ziploc bag and give it to him for lunch. Are you sure? Because I think that's what she did. Clearly, the evidence is there. She might have even just put yogurt straight in the paper bag. And that's why when he stabbed it, it all just explodes out. (laughs) Um, When that was all happening in the thing, and the teacher interceded is that the mm-hmm. right uh yeah. like intervened um like beating the kid up yeah yeah uh 
Oh, real quick, just as I'm looking over the notes, uh, everything we've talked about, by the way, just uh, as we as we've gone through. But uh, uh, one of the things that is an example of the horned up high schooler talk that I just don't even understand. He goes, "Do you see the new girl? She's got the face of a something and got the body of a slut." I know what. <laughs> I mean, the, it, it's so on the nose. Like, just say she's. How can a body express morality, like its own attitude about sex? The only thing I could think of, and this is in the movie's terms, not mine, is like just she's walking so (laughs) (laughs) bow-legged. And that guy who's saying it is like 35 years old. (laughs) I know. That guy comes in just to make a bunch of sex comments. Now, look. I've also played a 40-year-old playing a high schooler, too. So uh, I've been there, but there's, uh, there's sometimes where it gets, it pushes it. Uh, but, oh, oh, when they're when they're in there and they're fighting, you know, Stu Charno, Ghostbusters guy, uh, the uh, guy, Bon Jovi. Yeah, and yeah, and Kip Bon Jovi Winger. and Moochie. Um, yeah. One thing is like the... Tough guy squeezing Dennis's dick is a little much. It also just ends everything. Just <laughs> it does. Let's go, it and would. the fight's over. I guess, but it it, it did like the bullies felt like they were going all in, but he just kind of wanted to disable him, and he sure did. I actually like that. As like in real life, if bullies were about to hit, then somebody squeezed another guy's dick, it would just lead to a disquieting moment where yeah. it was like, let's just go. <laughs> okay, that was... Yeah, let's... Uh, <laughs> but, uh. but when the teacher came in and, and broke it up, it got me thinking like... I don't know. Maybe that's just like in life. But just like if you're a male teacher, your choice is either kind of being like kind and approachable to the point of being like the butt of a joke or a seen as a pushover, mm-hmm. but you get the kids to learn somehow mm-hmm. or your other choice, which is this teacher who comes in is like, and it's also a choice. I understand that somebody would make. They're just a hard ass. Yeah. And I never saw it get physical. I did. I've heard stories about things getting physical, like, oh, just in the last class, something happened. I'm like, described it. And as I get older, and I'm curious what your story is, because I think it'll go with what I'm just like going to bring up. It's just like, in retrospect, I do think about like, it's a, a, there's a hostility that's like really scary sometimes from like oh yeah the the um adult and I'm not I don't even mean teachers I mean like the uh because I love teachers um and uh I have a come from a family of teachers they're the best just more like male authority figures who are like hostile it's just like that's like scarier to me than a bully I agree I agree that we had this teacher. He was a sub, but we all knew him because he would come a lot. And his name was Mr. Knaus, I think in middle school. Mm. And I, I feel like I remember him like picking a kid up by his shirt, you know, like leaning him over and shaking him. But I Jesus. definitely remember him grabbing a full desk. That was like the chair and the desk, right? There wasn't a student, student in it. And he would just 
lift it all the way up above his head and then just throw it down on the ground. And he would just rage. And Whoa. we, everybody just knew this guy like, Oh man, Canals is here today. Oh God. Oh my gosh. And the substitute teacher, which just must be like, God, that seems like a tough job because it would be like the unknown. Your job yeah. is just based on the unknown all the time. And then if you have a t- temper tantrum problem, maybe oh, that's f- a, get it. To put the two together, oh boy. Uh, I saw once, you know, I went to a Catholic school and I saw, uh, like a junior high, I saw a priest, like, he was always crumpling up balls of paper and throwing them into a trash can to think it's cool. And look, when I think about a priest who's like most of their job is going and holding the hands of somebody who's dying in a hospital and praying to them, like, or going to people who are needy. I would get how if I was a priest, I was like, hey, don't trash us all. We're not all like we're doing some good stuff. But this priest would like think it was so cool to like take shots into the trash can, shooting paper balls, whatever, like 14 year olds are going to be impressed by that. And then I remember he he took a shot and bounced off. He missed it. He totally biffed it. And some kid in the class went, ha like laughed and he snapped (gasps) shot his finger at him not like touching him or anything and went hey it was just like oh Oh, your thin fragile ego oh my god of like somebody noticed you missed a shot at like oh boy oh Ah. man that is scary i mean especially if like you're doing that on display (laughs) you're not Sitting in a class by yourself. You're doing it to show off. Well, and I've heard, uh, 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 not myself, uh, men and women, grown men and women say this about sometimes what's difficult dealing with a priest sometimes is they're not in a, they haven't been in a relationship where you figure out the idea of give and take and compromise. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they can, they can be a little stubborn because they're not conditioned rightfully to the idea of there's a give and take with how things work. They're in a relationship with God and that's all on his rules, you know? So yeah, they got to get it somewhere. Yeah. Now, Hey, this all leads to Christine because it has a huge spiritual element to Uh, it. Doesn't it not? (laughs) Well, you got Uh, the, um, what I call this movie's crazy Ralph in the old man from home alone, selling him the car. And he's yep. got a certain sixth sense about him. Old man from home alone with the, uh, with the, uh, weird back brace thing. Yeah. Hilarious. They never mention it. Do they? Um, no. And you've seen those. What is that? Is that just to keep somebody straight? I guess. Upright? Or yeah. Or like he has a bad back. So that's what keeps it in a place that he won't wrench it. I don't know. Yeah. I also like that uh, uh, when you meet him, I think it's the first time you hear actual score. Up until then, it's been uh, just diege- uh, non-diegetic or music playing somebody's playing in their car. Yeah. But this is the first time you hear like uh, a creepy carpenter. Uh, There's not much of it, but man, when it's there, it's so good. When Christine is flaming down the road chasing Billy and the lens flares and the synth is rolling. Yeah. That was that I mean it peaked. I love that there. music chunk there and I love the initial one when the he starts chasing Moochie. 
Yes. Uh, that is like really creepy. And like it, it is when that point happens, it is like the point where you haven't really seen Christine attack or be scary yet about an hour in when it starts attacking. So it is kind of like on the movie at that point to really deliver. Like if it doesn't, then it kind of fails as a movie. But that whole Moochie sequence is dope. Especially when like he happens to find this little nook in the wall that a car can't fit in. And he's just like thinks he's so set. And then even I I didn't think Christine was going (laughs) to. cram herself in there i've gone on google maps and you can go and look at that where is it uh it's close to where the overpass is and stuff too you can just kind of like zip around it's my favorite even more so than south pasadena is that little kind of let me find it's like a sort of city of industry area i think oh Um, but it's uh anyway sorry i just jumped the gun because i got so excited about that overpass um uh oh okay so that guy the home alone guy yeah it's the first time somebody uses the term shitter oh really and it is scary that he says it to dennis but not uh 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 arnie what was the context he says something like Dennis is like, hey, don't sell this car to my friend. He's naive. And then he's like, I think he knows more than you do. You might be a shitter. He calls him a shitter. And it's basically that's the term for anybody who's like trying to stand in the way of your dream or something. I don't know. But uh, it's weird that he's using the term that seems to get passed through possession. Like somehow he, he believes Christine. And shitters. Um, but uh, uh, then he has the fight with the parents. Uh, then he goes to the garage. Um, we talked about the... Yeah, any other thoughts on D- Robert Prosky as Darnell? We just saw him in Gremlins too. I just, I love him. I think he's great in this. Yeah, he's a little, his character's a bit much at first, but then when he does come over to say, you know, maybe you could work here, and he just, but he's so, he can't be vulnerable, so he has to make it seem yeah. like he's kind of an asshole. And Yeah, and I love the, yeah, that scene is so good, and then he goes, okay, well, I'll think about it. He's like, well, don't think about it too much! Yeah, why uh, is he thinking about it? Is that Arnie's first glimmer of, like, yeah, maybe I don't need you. I got this real cool thing going on. I wonder that too. Like, why does Artie do that? Is it, uh, cause he does say it sweetly. Yeah. Goes, well, I'll have to think about it. It's like Artie. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the, uh, and he says something too about knowing a guy. I've seen a car like that. I knew a guy who died in the car like that. Mm. And then later you find out that the guy did kill himself with a car. So right. maybe it's the same car he saw. Probably. Um, And then three weeks later, when Arnie's mid starting his transformation, that's when my favorite Arnie line that I've used ever since I heard it in fourth grade: "The you can't polish a turd." Yes, I I know it exists out of this, but but for the first time when I heard that, I went uh, uh, signal the MythBusters. Let's see. Can you polish a turd? <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's 
Can you do the physical act of polishing the turd, maybe? If it's like, can you take something from its non-turdness? <laughs> I, I mean, maybe still you could. There's got to be a way to get a sheen on a turd. <laughs> Speaking of sheens on turds, Dennis's letterman's jacket. <laughs> I we Guys in our school, you would get letters and pins, but nobody ever wore a letterman's jacket. Did you guys have that at uh, your school? Yeah, our our jocks did. Yeah. Okay. I My friend got a, a letterman sweater and put that on and wore it as a joke. Oh, like, wow. The only way you could do it at our school was like ironically. like. Oh, interesting. Um, well, but, I, uh, I went to a very non-ironic public high school that was... <laughs> In the hills, it was in a rich area. I was from below Whittier Boulevard, where the oh. middle class kids went. But I went to kind of a rich kids high school. It was a public school, but it was it's a beautiful uh-huh. high school actually, up kind of in these hills with these pine trees and stuff. Oh wow, Lucerna High. And so a lot of the jocks were the rich kids that just kind of had. Mm. I mean, they were socias. like classic eighties, yeah, socias and like you know in the John Hughes movies, those kind of jocks and stuff. I mean, yeah, you're like Southern California eighties. Like, yeah, that's it right. had to be such an interesting thing to be in Matt, because it's sort of like, is the world I live in feeding the culture or is the culture now like telling us what we're supposed to be? Right. Yeah. It's same thing happened when the Valley girl craze came along. Cause I didn't live in the Valley. I lived in Whittier, uh-huh. but it was adjacent Comparable, enough. Yeah. yeah. And so the song by Moon Zappa came out in the movie and, and Valley Girl culture took over, but it was kind of feeding itself because girls were talking like that anyway, but now parents were laughing at it and yeah. mocking it and joining in and doing it. And it was this weird meta thing that you couldn't wrap your head around a little. Yeah, uh, I mean, with Christine, it does feel like this movie's kind of like, I wouldn't say it's saying like nostalgia is dangerous or something, but it is kind of like, it seems to seem there's more risks in like longing for another time and wanting to go back than positives. Hmm. Uh, But the like, I don't like just what we were saying about like the Valley Girl, it's like. When did that like exhaust itself? Like when was that? I don't think it ever has. And I don't say that unironically. I think it took over the way we speak and how we interject like into everything. And then it was the Hollywood culture. So it went global and it's the world. I think it's the world's only universal accent, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I had to do uh, like we had to do. Well, then you think about podcasts. Like how many people have that affect now who talk, not affect, it's just the way you talk. Anyway, sorry. uh, No, what were you going to say? Which affect? Oh. The podcast uh, affect. Oh, oh, just more the Southern. Oh, I didn't mean it's a podcast affect. I meant like. Oh, that that whatever the Southern California talk is, which is actually kind of fits hand in glove with podcasting. It's just a little more like slower and uh, yeah. But I think whatever the Valley Girl, in in a general sense, being the dominant dialect for thirty years now, is giving way to an internet dialect that is. Hey guys, just just want to say this. Just want to say that. You know. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. And it's it's interesting. I in grad school, I we had to do dialect reports, and 
I, I chose Valley Girl. <laughs> and so I had to map it out with the IPA, which is the Internet Phonetic Alphabet. So you put it into symbols instead of letter characters. And so you, that anybody looking at those same symbols could theoretically do it. But you still always have to have an ear for dialects. You can't like really read it like music necessarily. That's, you know, it's funny what you were saying about the um, Valley Girl. Um, like, no, it's become how everybody talks. Uh, it reminded me when somebody pointed out, like, I think it was like New York Magazine wrote an article in the early mid aughties that it was like, um, all the things we called yuppie is just now everybody does it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would just look at the Kardashians. Fitness, and they're, they're bottled val- water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Kardashians. A focus are, on materials. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> we, yeah. The Kardashians are just basically Neo Valley girls and vocal fry goes huh. back to Valley girls and stuff. And yeah. Yeah. The origins. Yeah. Ground zero for vocal fry was the San Fernando Valley. Yep. Early eighties, <laughs> late seventies. Yeah. Um, that library scene, um, uh, I do really like, cause I like, I mean, I think part of the thing with Christine a little bit that's confusing about it is sort of like, who's the, pro- not that yeah. I get hung up on this stuff too much, but it's just <laughs> like, sometimes it's sort of like you're in Dennis's shoes because you're not <coughs> seeing how Arnie's transforming and you're seeing it through his eyes, the fear of it happening. But then sometimes it pops over and you're seeing Arnie like make a car come back to life. But like what you were saying about how he, this thing about the blonde girl, this library scene, like you get a full on like Michael Myers point of view, steady cam shot of him, like walking down, looking at one girl, looking at the other. And it really makes you go like, I guess this is Dennis's movie. But Dennis goes away for a long time yeah. too. It, yeah. It doesn't quite, have that it's more like arnie's the main character but you're watching a breaking bad fall from grace and then at the end dennis just plays the like necessary protagonist to come in and just someone to bounce off of i guess but i i I like yeah yeah dennis i like that the jock is you know there's a good jock and he's the good person and He's a great actor, John Stockton, too. I like, uh, and all the Arnie um, stuff between him and Arnie is really great. Yeah, I love the all acting's all pretty good yeah. in this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really sort of all, it's like, most of it's just like very effortless, uh, naturalistic acting. I mean, like Harry Dean Stanton's kind of the king of that. So the fact that he pops up in this movie is, uh, fits well. Yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, Oh, I do like that uh, his line, Dennis's pickup line is, do you like music? What about dancing? Would you like to go dancing some night? <laughs> like, is the late 70s the last time you could ask a girl to go dancing? Or do you want to come over and listen to records? <laughs> um, and then when Arnie shows up uh, after that, the blue shirt buttoned down over the with the rolled up <laughs> sleeves, but he also has... No glasses. And I respect that they tried to have an origin story for why he had tape on his glasses. They didn't just start with the tape I glasses. Know. You that saw was how impressive. But uh, uh, when he's got no glasses, he's got eyeliner. Oh, do you notice his hair is a little more coiffed too? It's not ah! greased down. Oh, boy. <laughs> he's, he's learning. Um, and then... Uh, we sneak in, you see Daniel or Dennis sneak in, 
and uh, Christine starts playing. You keep on knocking, but you can't come in. <laughs> uh, does when you're a sentient car? Does that mean you just have a very clever sense of humor? It's like Bumblebee in the Michael Bay Transformers movies. He speaks through. Do you song. think Michael Bay watched Christine on a loop, just be like, "They figured it out. That's the key to Bumblebee." Ah, oh, and they got all the songs that could mean anything. What am I going <laughs> to do? Oh, I got to listen to music, more music. <gasps> Have you seen all the Transformers movies? All of them? Yeah. No. I've always seen the first. Oh, I've seen a number. Of, I've probably seen most of them. Do you see Bumblebee? No. The spinoff? Uh-uh. Or the buzz-off? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the paranormal green light. Um, yeah. Mom, the mom tells that, Dennis. Oh, I guess that comet goes around the Earth or around the Sun pretty regularly. Every <laughs> Seventy-eight two and a half to, years. Yeah. <laughs> um. Mom tells Dennis, "Hey, we found out a car. Uh, a guy died in that car, and then, oh, the football sequence. I really like that part where the football goes up, and then he sees Arnie with the girl, and then." All the sound drops out, and it's just that crazy music, and then he gets hit. That's yeah, good. Yeah. Um, and then it's funny that uh, it it ends with like it kind of like goes over to Christine, like Christine's like turned into the camera and be like, "He he he, he's with me now." Yeah, you. I'm a little stinker. Oh, oh my gosh! Why didn't Christine have like a kit, like voice that was "I'm a little stinker"? Uh, you don't know me too well, do he? So I'm I'm Artie, and I'm like Christine. Yeah, Johnny. Oh, uh, some people have been giving me some guff again. Oh, you little bitch. You need to go kill them for me, or I'm going to do it myself, ain't I, a little stinker? Well, listen, little seeker, I think I'm going to sit back, put up my heels, and enjoy a lemonade if you want to go kill them. Okay, I'm just going out for a little wide. Not going to do any killing plausible deniability for you. Uh, uh, Uh-oh, it's me, my vocal reflector from the movie Scream. Uh, broke down. I realized I sound a lot like me. Uh-oh. <laughs> so that was why you were in disguise trying to come up with claims of plausible deniability oh, to help your was client. I? Was I? Ooh, look at my poor little Plymouth Fury from 1957 or 58. There seems to be some controversy. There were 28 <laughs> of them to make the one for this movie. So which one are you going to send to jail? All of them? Because they can't all be guilty. Was well, <clears throat> what did, if we did put them all in jail? Are, do you represent all? Yes, as a matter of fact, I do. Uh, just <laughs> nod, Christine's, if that's true. Yeah, kung, 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 yeah. But which one? <laughs> Defender from this one? The little hood ornament from this one? That little carburetor cap or spark plug from that one? Was Frankenstein's foot responsible for his <laughs> hand choking a little girl with a violin or some shit like that? I'd also like to thank uh, Jay Leto for letting us use his garage as a courtroom. 
<laughs> oh, I thought you were denim and big troll. <laughs> Jay Leto was the original denim. Uh, well, thank you for visiting us. I um, I'm. Do you have? Does Christine have you on retainer? Oh uh, yeah, Christine. The by the way, you 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 your payments due, and I don't take oil. Okay, I really got to run. Usually you got to put a payment on the car, but the payment has to pay you. Yes, right. I got to run. There's a certain foaming at the mouth dog. <laughs> I got to get over to canine court to handle. Yeah, you're just going through the phone book of C's, right? You got Christine, and then you go down to Cujo. And then, first. Yeah, and then there's this little girl all covered in pig's blood who wants me to represent her. And there, there's a whole batch of children of the corn. And let me tell you <laughs> what, they smell like corn. Not like a... Not like a farm, like hogs and no, like old and creamed corn. These kids. Uh, there's worse things, I guess, in terms of farmland, though. Uh, I mean, if you're gonna eat them, that's one thing. But if you're gonna represent them, oh, that's true. That's a whole different. That's a horse of a different color. And it's hot here, South. So they smell like spoiled creamed <laughs> corn. So they come to you and you have your own that's sort of right, courtroom that's right. where you hold, they come. <laughs> that's right. Well, I, that's your home I pay travel expenses and I send a big shuttle bus. Hmm, seems kind of like that. Shut up. Of, <laughs> the lawyer's putting up the jury on his dime. I don't know okay, about that. Okay, I do have to run. I'm also representing the mist. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye, Southern lawyer. Uh, it's always a delight to have him around. He's great, isn't he? Uh, hey, now they show up at this uh, um, um, at this uh, drive-in. Yeah. Oh, I had a question. Do you think this is a uh, just a thing to ponder? You can't answer it. Do you think Arnie knows when, like, because he doesn't run to a dentist when he gets hurt on the field. Mm -hmm. Is that because it's like, well, I could give a shit about a sports injury or it's kind of like, well, is he aware in some way or him and Christine communicating somehow about this or not yet? I think he's just like starting to become a self obsessed asshole at that time. So he's got, got he's got girls to think about, you know? So then he goes in the drive-in with the girl with Lee they're watching Thank God It's Friday mm -hmm. at the drive-in, which for Logo Locos out there, that has the disco dancing Columbia Pictures lady at the beginning. Oh, wow. Um, now, Lee and Arnie making out here. It's interesting because if this is, it's not like a full, like, Faustian thing of, like, he sells his soul so he can get everything. Because if it was, then it would be like getting the girl as a part of it. But what's cool about this is like he doesn't really seem to have an interest in the girl. It's not part of the dream. It's if anything, it's like gets in the way of the dream. Yeah, it's almost just like the he being the new cool guy is all he cares about. He doesn't even need the trappings as long as yeah. he, he's feeling bad to the bone. Bad. Um, and then they run out of the car, and I noticed there was in the concession stand a really cool movie poster for the Buddy Holly story. 
Oh, really? The Gary yeah. Busey one? Yeah. Oh. Um, now, I'd say this is in my top three sequences of the movie, mm. is the, like, drive-in, her choking, the bright light mm-hmm. inside the car, him... I mean, also with this, not just like the bright lights and the choking, but like him, this weird kind of like watching it happen and not come to her aid. I think it's just like a really freaky, weird thing in a movie. Yeah, Um, it is. And, uh, uh, but it is funny to think like, there's probably no bigger deal breaker than the, I was choking and my boyfriend didn't come to my aid. <laughs> it can accuse the guy helping me of harming Assaulting. Me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, then the actors come and they destroy Christine. Mm-hmm. Whenever I watch this scene, I get so nervous for the actors because I'm like, they can't goof up. He can't jump up and like with his first hit, just kind of have a small little... Uh, like uh, being in the windshield, it has to be like good. I Otherwise, know. they blow it. I guess they did have something like twenty-eight versions of that car, and I guess also that whole auto shop was half was used for filming and half was used for actually working on the car. They had oh. a working auto shop in there to work wow. on Christine. So maybe they could have done a turnaround if they needed to be needed to. Yeah, I mean that would be fun to smash a car up. Oh, it'd be so fun, especially when you look like. Kip Winger, I always wanted that to be like start a music video. It just needed some like music. Yeah, it's a combination of like the Winger video with the woman on top of yeah, the car. Cherry pie. But it's it's also like Grease Lightning. Yes, yes. I'm sorry, Warrant, not Winger. But it is like, yeah, oh, right. crazy version of Grease Lightning. Where yeah. He's like jumping up on the car. And, uh, but the... Uh, uh, they they do trash it. You don't see it, but they poop on the dashboard. It's bad. Um, and then Arnie shows up with Lee. First time Arnie calls somebody a shitter. He calls <laughs> her a shitter. What a thing to and pass then- down. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> and he's wearing the red Rebel Without a Cause jacket here. Mm-hmm. Um. I did notice he's like asking her if they could go to the same college. Oh, Arnie. <laughs> Come on, man. I thought you were cool now. <laughs> um, then he asks uh, the car to restore itself. Um, it is like stripper music. That's like what's playing. Yes. Which but is Jake, funny because wow. it's ba- the car is basically getting dressed. Yeah, it'd be like if a woman was like, watch me put on this heavy sweater. Yeah, or a woman with just broken legs is suddenly just heels again, but is still just wearing slacks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if whoever heard that just got aroused. uh, Uh, You've got a kink. Congrats. You found your kink. You found your kink. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Artie now I know he's upset about his car getting trashed but he is so mean to his parents at the dinner table yeah I, I know they're assholes but this version he's gone too far you, you don't choke your dad no you don't choke your dad and then say <laughs> I gotta hit the hay <laughs> okay so then this is when 
Christine starts the killing. She finds Moochie. This um, was my favorite sequence, I think. Yeah, it's uh, and you're hungry for it by this point. It's like, ooh, I want to see Christine yeah. do her thing. It does. This is where it feels most like a Michael Myers thing. It's like you hear some '50s music with some synth. Yeah, the Sandman versus the Halloween theme. Also, Halloween 3 service station feel. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm talking about the part later. But Well, then we talked about Halloween 3 with this when we did the commentary. There's just some shots of like cars cruising and stuff that are really scary. It's like all feels uh, part of it. And then, but yeah, another bloodless death. Lucci just kind of, it just goes into his stomach. But then they talk about how he got cut in two and they had to scrape his legs off with a shovel. So yeah, that puts images in your brain, but it doesn't, uh, Yeah. I mean, I'm okay with it. Like I wouldn't be mad if they showed it. A part of me, like for John Carpenter's sake, it makes me sad that he felt like he couldn't be, like he had a tone or something. I know. I know. Um, I understand how Christine repairs herself, but how does she get blood and viscera off her grill? She had to go through yeah, a car what if, wash, or yeah. What if at like two a.m. you drove by a car wash, you just saw this single car by itself going like, <laughs> like forward, reverse, forward, reverse, back and forth inside it? It's like you don't even have to do that. Just stay still, Christine. Uh, a man comes out in the morning in his pajamas to pick up the paper, and there's Christine just driving through multiple lawn speaker uh, sprinklers. <laughs> Uh, then we have this Thanksgiving hospital scene, the Solon beer scene. Uh, um, and Hey, Arnie is fully transformed here. He's gaunt. He's pale. He looks like a vampire. Oh yeah, man. He's he's Um, no more man. He's all evil. Then I think my favorite scene, it's not even a scary scene necessarily, but when Arnie comes out and you first get to meet Harry Dean Stanton, mm-hmm. the scene between the two of them where he's interrogating him, it's like my favorite scene ever in any movie ever. This in, scene in Psycho where um, uh, uh, um, Martin um, Balsam. Balsam comes and interviews uh, uh, the uh, Anthony, Anthony Perkins. Perkins. Yeah, I'm only going with actors' names, but uh, uh, and just seeing two people be pleasant between each other I when know. there's something malicious going on is just like really fun to watch. I love it when Jodie Foster first comes to Buffalo Bill's door and they're just having that kind of like you know he's got. Yeah, but no shirt and like, oh, I think I got a business card. Let me see. That has the same thing. You're right. I think what I like about it in those movies, and it's funny because Psycho and Silence of the Lambs are very connected, but like the, um, I wouldn't say all my interactions feel that way. You mean in real life? But in life, you're just constantly, (laughs) it is a lot of pleasantries with like, I don't know, maybe in post COVID, it's just like, the hostility underneath things has come a little bit more to the surface, and maybe that's just what I'm picking up on more. But oh, funny, yeah, it's a little. Um, but the uh, and it's the first time you get to see him in a black vest. So come on. Uh, now Arnie, when it comes to trying to have a makeup phone call, oh yeah, 
There's nice. better ways to handle it, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Both emotionally, the way he just screams at her and then picks up the phone. But I think technically, I don't even understand how it works. He screams, hangs up the phone, and then immediately picks it back up to see if she's there. That's movie phone stuff. Could you ever hang up on somebody and then pick back up and be like... There was something, if I'm remembering correctly, you could... If you called, if it was... It, I forget which way it worked. But there was <gasps> one person, if you could, if you hung up and the other person didn't hang up, you could pick it up again and they would still be there. So if that's I, what I, was happening. I and, think, but, she but now I like, worry I'm making that up. But that sounds vaguely familiar to me. Um, but after their fight, that's when the set piece begins. That's like so great. It starts with them at the liquor store, mm-hmm. Billy and the one of his buddies. And I love that opening shot where it's like through the glass of the liquor store Mm -hmm. and you see them walk out and get into the car and drive away from that point to like when Billy gets run over by the fiery car. It's so astounding how like every minute just keeps getting cooler and cooler. I know it's really like that's the whole movie. I love the fiery car. I love the like is do you think the gas station I was pretty convincing if it was a model, but it, was that a model when it, it exploded? It didn't seem like it to me. It, had, wow. it would have to be a pretty big model. Maybe it was, but I think that was a real gas station explosion because they did that for maximum overdrive too. That's right. But yeah, the visual like too, like the wet streets yeah. and then that beast of burden, the Rolling Stones song is playing through it yeah. too. Like at the beginning, I'm just, uh, I love all of it. And then, yeah, just like, it gets surreal at the end when it's just like he runs off from a gas station, but then it just cuts to like desolate black nowhere. I know. And Billy's just by himself on a country road. It's and Christine's going slow. It's like doing everything opposite of like what should be scary, but it's a uh, you scary. could take that segment from the liquor store to the Billy kill and just show it to someone. And that yes. in its own right would be just like a little short movie that, yeah, you know, you would know enough to know these guys are bad and that the car's going to possessed. And the movie doesn't tell you much more than that. Arnie thing is the only I thing you don't get in that, but that's the encapsulation of this whole movie. Yeah. And the two deaths inside the gas station, they're a little goofy. Like when yeah. Stu uh, Charno's character dies and then, um, that other guy's in the car when Christy just kind of rams into him and blows him up. Right. Um, but um, still cool. Yeah. Uh, so then it comes back, and this is when, yeah, he finds an empty smoking car and is like, can I get in? Uh, <laughs> um, ah, I haven't so- had one of these in a long time. <laughs> now, the next day when he shows up, and he's with Harry Dean Stanton again. And Harry Dean Stanton's kind of like, what's going on here? This adds more to the thing, like my theory that Christine is just like a bad bar buddy who gets you into trouble, mm-hmm. not like a woman mm-hmm. who leads you astray. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like when Arnie's having to answer to Harry Dean Stanton, like why he's like, he says to him at one point, Arnie goes like, I seriously don't know what's happening right now. Cause it's kind of like there's a killer car and it's killing people who I don't even want it to kill. Uh, uh, like that to me feels more like 
when you're in high school and you have a buddy who like set something on fire at your house and now you have to answer for yeah. it. I've never had a situation where I was dating somebody. It's like, oh, my girlfriend accidentally killed Robert Brosky. <laughs> you didn't have that? I mean, we all have that situation okay. where your girlfriend literally kills Robert Brosky. <laughs> you have poor to answer guy. for it, but he's killed so many times for so many rites of passages. Um, then is we we get into New Year's Eve. Yep. And we see Dennis playing uh, Risk, I think, with his sister on New Year's Eve. I love that little moment. I love that moment, too. I wish we if we were going to spend more time in this movie. I want it to be them just sitting there on New Year's Eve. And the phone call. It's a girl. <laughs> uh, and then him and Lee decide, hey, we're going to... Now, this is in the book, right, that they have a romance. It's suggested in the movie, but she's pretty handsy. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about with Arnie? In the, uh, with, uh, with, oh, with Lee is with, with Dennis. Oh. She's got her hands all over him. Yeah, and she's kind of handsy with uh, Arnie, too, before she gets creeped out by Christine. That's true. Uh, did you see the beers that they're drinking in the, bar, Southern in the Cross? car? Yeah, is that real? I don't know. Uh, if that's like a cool generic beer, I, I wish it was in every movie. I know. Yeah. But if some of our listeners are big Southern Cross drinkers, uh, sounds kind of like a ugly name of a beer. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious. Let us know. Um, he makes a, he toasts to the deaths of the shitters of the world. And Dennis says, I can't toast to that. I know. Nobody could. He's such a nice guy. Dennis <laughs> is the full package. I'm telling you. He's the, yeah. I mean, Lee messed up by choosing Arnie. Yeah. Let's be honest. Well, she, she ended up in the right place. Was it Christine? Did Christine kind of seduce her? We don't really get to see like why she fell for Arnie. They only really have the scene at the drive-in to get a, Suggestion yeah, of what's going on th with them. That's a missing piece in this. Not to say like a hot girl can't go for a nerd, but this hot girl and that nerd, you're like, what is going on? I mean, it just, it would entirely be different when the makeout scene is happening. If it was Kevin Bacon, it would, you I would be like, that. oh, he's got the whole world and he's giving it up for the car because he's so obsessed with the car when it's Keith Gordon you're a little bit more like dude you're blowing it <laughs> <laughs> come on let me Cyrano you <laughs> um, and then yeah I really do like that last scene when uh, not last last scene but the last scene between Arnie and Dennis when he's driving drunk and like angry and uh, I think it gets really scary and also it ends on a really kind of like, oh, Arnie's fully gone. He makes just some kind of gross joke about cars being like pussy. Yeah, it's, yeah. And he makes this kind of curl of his lip. Yeah. You're just like, oh, he's disgusting. Yeah. But it is funny because that's the last moment of their two, last two-person scene. And the first moment of their first two-person scene is them talking about sex scrabble and and Dennis using that as a launching off point for like, we got to get you laid. Yeah. So it does feel like they are kind of like bookends for like, they're both in cars. He's driving at the beginning, but now Arnie's driving at the end. 
And it's like Dennis got what he wanted. Yeah. His friend is kind of this like raunched up cool dude, but it sucks. Yeah. It's like your nightmare come true or something. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole be careful what you ask for. Yeah, you don't want, you might think you want Arnie to get laid, but you don't. No, everybody, don't let Arnie get laid. Um, and then, yeah, then we have the big face-off at the end, which it's 17 minutes when they meet up, left when they meet up at the warehouse. That's just a little too long. Yeah, for what's going on here. That's a whole reel. And then um, when Arnie dies... And it sort of is a little limp after he dies. I think at that point, it sort of reveals how this movie never really, you didn't know who you were in the movie. Because like once Arnie dies, you're sort of like, wait, I guess I'm not, it's a, I'm not about Arnie. It's about now the two kids have to destroy the cars. Yeah, like, it's mixed up. I think that's why it's not exciting though, is because you're not, from the beginning of the movie, it's a little murky about like, I don't know. Yeah, I think it is a flaw yeah. of this movie and probably why um, I never like. I mean, I love sensation, it. Sensation, but yeah. Yeah. And I love the Tony Lama boot sign in the, in the, in the warehouse there. I don't think I noticed that. My dad used to, you know, he owned Russ Western Shed That's and right. he'd sell Tony Lama boots. So we had Tony Lama like logos all oh. over. So when I see a Tony <laughs> Lama logo pop up, it warms my heart. Um, and then that ending is, uh, uh, oh, I never noticed this before. Bef- I, you do hear Arnie's voice before you see him inside the car. There's just a real, the car goes in reverse and you just hear a voice out inside to go, you shitters. <laughs> oh my God. That's- so they tip it a little bit right before he gets shot. Uh, you see him inside it, that he might be inside it. <sighs> um, but I do love the very, very end when she says, God, I hate rock and roll. And then the cube oh, yeah. smiles and bed of the bone plays. And the the rubber, the metal that's clearly just rubber that's flexing. Yeah. And then it cuts to the credits and it says co-starring Christine uh, Belford. I know. That's so cool. <laughs> I love this film. I'll definitely watch it again. I don't know why I waited, however, 30, 40 years. I love it. And it uh, like any John Carpenter product, uh, the people who own the rights know that it's something they can triple, quadruple dip from. I've owned this movie on so many formats, Ugh. watched the same special features uh, uh, on different formats, re- recycled with maybe one new one. So that's why I get it. It's like... Did they ever make a like a steel pack or a VHS case that was like the car, Christine? Remember, they used to actually have a VHS cassette rewinder that looked like an old hot rod that you'd... Uh, yes, I remember those. those. Have they I, made I, a Christine think, car collectible? It's tough because, yeah, this movie just... It, it does have some gaps in the fan base. Like, it's hard to find some fun... I'd love to find... I bet that exists a little. Yeah, there is. Rem- um, I was wondering, what do you think was the number one? I'm sure this could easily be figured out, but just like the number one high selling uh, DVD. What time period where a movie was the most popular and that oh, format yeah. was the most like universal throughout the land that people were like, of course we'll buy. Right. 
Uh, Saving Private Ryan or yeah, Fight Club. My first thought was Fight Club. Really? Yeah, but it, maybe that's too hard edge. Like it's probably some Disney movie. Yeah, there is there is a Christine diecast car collectible. You can also get the license plate. Oh, well, maybe I'll um just start dressing up as black vested Arnie and <laughs> walk around with holding that car. But don't tell anyone. <laughs> uh, yes, the number one uh, DVD, highest selling DVD ever is The Lion King. That makes sense. But followed by Madagascar, which is kind of what I was getting oh, at. Like a sort weird. of like a movie that really isn't much, but it just so happens that... It was popular when. So yeah, uh, favorite death was uh, is yours is Moochie. Um, no, I, I gotta go. Mine's Billy. Billy. Yeah, yeah. That, when that car, when Christine's on fire and driving out on the road, that is so cool. It's so good. And for ratings, so I gave the Dead Zone eleven. You gave it eleven point five. We both gave Silver Bullet a nine. Uh, I gave Maximum Overdrive an 8. You gave it a 7. Misery, I gave it 12. You gave it 12.5. And here we are with Christine out of 13. What are you, what are you thinking? I'm going to give it an 11. I'm going to give it a 10. Hey, all right. Oh, solid film. And that, solid film. That means we've got... We've got four left, and your numbers you can choose are eight, one, three, or seven. And the remaining films are Children of the Corn, Cujo, Carrie in the Mist. Well, anyone I choose, we're going to have a fun time, That's buddy. right. Um, let's say three. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. What is it? You better plug your nose because spoilt cream corn, children of the cream corn are coming out of cornfield and they're coming for your corn pops. The tradition continues of the Matt and Paul zipper interaction. That's crazy. How is this? Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, that's so exciting. Children of the corn? Yeah. Oh, my golly. Can't wait. <laughs> oh, my golly. All right. Well, uh, tune in next oh. week. Oh, well, Matt. Yeah? I think I said this off mic before, so I'll say it on mic. Oh, right. When people when people watch Children of the Corn, I'll tell you after you watch it, but one of the people, one of the children of the corn, not speaking part, just on screen, uh, is the wife of my sixth grade teacher. Oh my God. <laughs> You'll find so out who it is. If that isn't ever Be disappointed. Like, <laughs> I'll edit that part out. But if that isn't ever a teaser <laughs> to come back next week, I don't know what is. So join uh, us then. Well, pleasure as always, Matt. You too, pal. See you next time. Bye-bye. For more Gorley and Rust content, Head over to patreon.com slash with Whirly and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early. Plus, monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash with Gourley and Rust. Email us at withgourleyandrust at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gourley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Whirly. 
and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candymans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.